AM 790 Talk and Business presents Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island with your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Join Bronwyn to hear about the next Water Fire event in downtown Providence, plus other great cultural events happening in the community. Now, here's your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Well, and good afternoon, and welcome to Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island, your one hour talk show uh, and entertainment program here on AM 790, your station for talk and business. And every Wednesday we are here bringing you behind the scenes, introducing you to our partners, and giving you a little bit of uh, information about this event that's uh, lit our state on fire for over 20 years now. Um, I'm sitting here with my co-host, the artistic director and creator of Water Fire, Barnaby Evans. How are you, Barnaby? I'm doing well. Pleased to be here. Yeah, what a beautiful day, huh? It is indeed. And you just came from the, the Business Innovation Forum? We were Fund? at BIF 10, which is the Business Innovation Forum, which is in its 10th year of bringing interesting thinkers and strategic planners and innovators into Providence. And there are a lot of people here to celebrate what's happening in the city. Well, you know. In, Good in, conversation. Continues tomorrow. Yeah, and innovative thinkers. Speaking of innovative thinkers, we've got a great show today. Um, as most people might know or might not know, our next full lighting, so the next full water fire lighting is on September 27th. And we have uh, quite a large focus on education and our incredible thinkers and uh, our upcoming thinkers. And, you know, last week we uh, had the privilege to talk to Dr. Hong Yang from the Confucius Institute. They're one of the sponsors. And I know on the 27th, they're going to be um, highlighting Chinese culture and education there. Um, but we also, that night, uh, have been working with the Rhode Island Department of Education. And there's a very large salute to our Rhode Island educators uh, at Water Fire. And there's going to be a lot of different events and a resource fair. And uh, it's a, such a pleasure right now to uh, announce that with us uh, on the line, we have Deborah Gist, who is the Rhode Island Commissioner of Education, a very large part of this big salute to our educators at Water Fire on the 27th. And um, Deborah, are you there? I'm here. Thank you. It's so great to have you on with us. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm thrilled. I I love the opportunity to talk about wonderful teachers and particularly combined with Water Fire. It's two of my favorite things. (laughs) Deborah, it's great to see you. And we had the pleasure of having you join us for the, when the fish came out, which was yes, uh, an annual that was event. awesome. Yeah, I could just uh, see you smiling as, oh, as a uh, hundred fish. I was just about to float away. I was so, it was just ex- so exciting. I love, love, love water fire. In fact, I, I actually live in downtown Providence, partly because it means that I get to just walk down the street and go to water fire. It's one of my favorite things. And we actually have a lighting coming up this Friday, mm-hmm. which is just in the basin, and another one in the basin next Tuesday. Yep, that's our and fundraiser. And the one we're talking to you, Deborah, about is the one we're so pleased to be working with you on, which is on September 27th, as a salute to Rhode Island educators. It's going to be so beautiful and so perfect. It's a great time of year. We're kicking off a new school year. There's a ton of energy and enthusiasm about everybody coming back and getting back into the classrooms and just being able to recognize great, great teachers and principals and other educators who just dedicate their entire selves to their work and having a moment for them to be able to to shine a little bit and be a part of this really magical night. I, I'm just so looking forward to it. Deborah, I'm so pleased to hear you say that. I mean, the reason why Waterfire was interested in this is I think all of us remember back to the influence our teachers have had and how important 
That's, I mean, there's your home life, and then there's what you learn in school, and it influences everything. Mm. And the way you talked about educators and teachers devoting their entire selves to this mission, it's so true. I mean, it's day and night and round the clock, and they're always thinking about it. And when we first did this at Waterfark, we really wanted to talk about the successes we're seeing in Rhode Island with teaching and also to thank the people who've dedicated their lives to it. And it's a pleasure to have done it for several times now. And this time, you have 75 educators that have Mm -hmm. received some sort of award that you wanted to help give more attention to the success and the recognition they've received. That's right. That's right. I completely agree with you about educators. In fact, one of the things I say a lot to people is that when you think about educators, really great ones especially, that it's not just a job. It's not even just a career. It's actually a lifestyle. They really give of themselves, as we've been discussing. Um, we're going to be recognizing, as as you said, a number of different um, types of awards. We have our Teachers of the Year from each district, our, our Rhode Island Teacher of the Year, um, the Principals of the Year, the Superintendent of the Year, our Support Professionals of the Year, because we have educators in our schools that um, aren't in, in traditional classroom roles, but they play really important um, role in, our, in the education of our children. Um, the Presidential Awards for Excellence in Math and Science Teaching, our Milken Award winner, which is an yep. annual award, and also our National Board for Professional Teaching Standards. These are this is a national certification that only a few people get a year. That's and you know I think people, sadly, the news in general, and this is in all subjects, but the news in general always looks at what's broken, and there we feel at Waterfire that partially what our job is to, is to celebrate the successes that are happening in Rhode Island. And you've had many successes in the Department of Education. And I just think we need to pay attention to those things and to thank you and to thank uh, the people responsible for them. It's so true. And we've, we have uh, exciting things happening in schools in Rhode Island. I mean, the last few years have been just a whirlwind of really hard work, really important work, um, implementing new curriculum that we're confident is going to make sure our students are ready for success in their lives after school, Um, and also a lot of really great work making sure that we're having the kind of activities in our classroom that are asking our students to work together and to think and to apply what they're learning in projects. And this is all, you know, some of this is um, a shift of, of thinking in, for, for, some, for some educators. And it's a, it's a big heavy lift, as anyone knows, to, to change, you know, practice. And so it has been a whirlwind, but a really great, um, successful few years. And taking a moment on on Saturday night, September 27th, to stop and to celebrate and and enjoy the magic of water fire is just going to be really special. We're so pleased to be a partner with this. And I must say, we've really enjoyed working with your team as they've been our partner. In fact, I think there's a conference call going on right now as we uh, as you and I get to talk about the future. I'm watching them, <laughs> watching my team and they're on the on the phone actually. Good. Yes, they are. Um, one, you know, you talked about it being sort of life work. Uh, it's almost teaching is a calling. Yes. And, you know, I remember going to Singapore where we did water fire, which is the exact opposite side of the globe just about. And there's a country where the teaching is one of the highest professions mm-hmm. in the country. And Part of the effort that we wanted to focus on teaching is many of the first contact of 
young people with the larger world is in schools mm -hmm. and all the societal issues from language to poverty to impoverished facilities to uh, you know you know sociological issues all of those issues impinge on the process of education so you're in the first line of so many complicated issues and uh, it's it's imp important work and it's so much more complicated than the sort of headline writers like to suggest so I know Barnaby that so with these 75 teachers can you explain a little bit maybe what people can expect to see in our celebration on Saturday the 27th are they starting out with wishes somebody told me well we're doing a number of things um, we'd like to have the teachers and educators reflect on what motivated them to make this calling of teaching and so they'll be writing uh, both a dedication and a wish on a star thanking a teacher who influenced them and writing a wish for the impact they hope to have on their students and they'll be gathering over in front of um, Hemingway's restaurant and then we'll be giving them a torch as part of this torch profession, procession um, part of going back to the Athenian tradition of Prometheus where we talk about fire as a symbol of education and, and um, attainment and accomplishment and the future and we light the torch and they will walk all the way through water fire and I'm hoping the crowd will part and I'd love to hear people just saying thank you thank you for the teaching they're doing thank you for their commitment to the Rhode Island's future and then they will assemble in the basin and we will light the fires with with the spark of their arrival I think that's great. You know, when you were saying that they're going to all be in Memorial Park and um, writing about either their wishes, um, I wanted to ask you, Deborah. you were a teacher for many, many years before becoming a commissioner. What was it exactly that made you want to become an educator? You know, I actually don't remember really thinking of other things. I mean, I, I loved animals, so, you know, I've played around with that for a while. But even from the time I was in seventh grade, I have a project I did in one of my classes in um, junior high school called My Career as a Preschool Teacher. Mm -hmm. And I still have that project. I carry it around with me sometimes. Just it, it, and, and that's what I did. I went on and I studied early childhood education. Um, I, don't, I don't know why exactly. I love learning. I love books. I love reading. I love... Um, the outdoors and science and 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 and, and my, my grandparents were educators and so I think that perhaps it was just you know in my blood and I miss it every day actually I, I get to go to schools a lot and in fact today I was at Cole Middle School in in East Greenwich and they were doing science experiments and it, I just wanted to like you know kick my shoes off and get down on the floor with them and just, you know, stay there the rest of the day. You wanted to jump in, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, too, that you say that because one of the things, and I forget who we were talking to about this, Barnaby, but we were talking about girls and getting, mm -hmm. you know, more women into the math and sciences uh, mm. programs. And are you finding that's happening a lot, Deborah? It is happening more. You know, anytime we... Um, Make, pay attention to something mm -hmm. and really get much more intentional about making sure that, that it's happening. We, we tend to see progress when we put our minds together and, and, and get creative and, and do things differently. And, um, and looking at the, the science, technology, engineering, mathematics areas in education, we call it STEM areas, is really important. One thing that I think is super cool is, I don't know if you've ever heard about the science, technology, engineering, 
uh, arts and design and math. They call it STEAM. Yep, absolutely, but STEM to STEAM. Exactly. We're big so that some of us know that lingo really well. But in case in case your listeners didn't, so that but the, but what's really great about that? This is an international conversation right now of the importance of integrating art and design into these other um, uh, you know educational areas, and it originated right here in Rhode Island um, right. at the Rhode Island School of Design. And so I think Rhode Island is really special in our really wonderful arts community, of which Waterfire is certainly an important part. Um, we have such rich arts and culture and design um, uh, as in part of our our um, fabric, and so we're we're a really special place where that kind of learning and um, practicing of education can um, be you know we can really be a model for the rest of the world. And you know I think that we've got a big resource center and a big resource fair on Washington Street. Absolutely, so. we'll go into that after the break. But uh, I hear the music starting up. But Commissioner, I'd, uh, first of all, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for what all the educators are doing in the state. We look forward to seeing everyone there to thank a teacher on the 27th and to honoring the 75 people. We'll go into a little more detail after the break. Thank you, Commissioner, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to it. All right. We'll see you on the 27th. Welcome back, and you are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. My name is Bronwyn Dannenfelter, and I'm here with my co-host Barnaby Evans, the creator of Waterfire, on AM 790, your station for talk and business. And Barnaby, I could just talk to Commissioner Gist forever. She is what a fascinating lady, and I'm so excited about the 27th um, and the salute to Rhode Island educators that we were just speaking with her about. Is, is there anything else that you can tell us that you've got planned for that evening? Well, one of the the fun pleasures that we've done for a few years now is we've had some sponsors donate some in-kind gifts to the schools, and Bananagrams will be giving a full suite of their educational games to each of the 75 educators to go back to be used in the classroom. And uh, another local company, uh, Thames & Cosmos, which is a group that creates uh, chemistry sets and science tests for schools and individuals, and they will be donating... um, Uh, a whole series of educational demonstration projects that will go with those 75 educators back to their schools. So it's uh, another way that people are are there to support education, and we're so pleased to have so many partners as we look into really as one of the most important parts of preparing for the future of Rhode Island, which is educating our youth and building the workforce and making Providence a successful place. Yeah, and so that's why I'm really looking forward to seeing what's on Washington Street Bridge and what the different schools are doing and what they're going to highlight. Yeah, we're going to have about a dozen interesting, innovative projects there on Washington Street in tents, um, in, uh, including um, you know from art educators to special projects involving design thinking, such as Adrian Gagnon's project. And they'll have some demonstrations and places for people to learn more about them. Yeah, and you know, I think as we talk about um, different groups coming together, it's a perfect segue uh, leading into, you know, I know that there's a very big conference that's here in town right now. It's the yes. Land, Land yes. Trust uh, Alliance. We'll talk with them later. The Land Trust Alliance is here from all over the United States and, and beyond. Yeah. And uh, they were excited to come to Providence. And it gives us an opportunity to talk to Martha Sheridan about the importance of conventions and the convention business and the success that the convention center has been having and her office has been having in in 
building Providence as a destination. That's right. I mean, I've been with Waterfire nine and a half, going on ten years now, and I've spent a lot of time with Martha. Uh, Martha is the CEO and president of the Providence Warwick Convention and Visitors Bureau and has done just such an amazing job of um, really lifting up our economy with all of the conventions that she brings in. And we actually have her on the line, I believe. Martha, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Barnaby. Hi, Bronwyn. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hi, Thank so, you so, so much. It's so great to hear your... Uh, you always have such a smile on your voice. It's great to, great to have you on the air. <laughs> it's so true. It is. I'm happy yeah. to be here. <laughs> yeah, so Martha, I'm, you know, we were, we were sitting here talking about, one, um, bringing people together. Uh, but for anybody out there that doesn't really understand or know what the Providence War Convention and Visitors Bureau is, can you just give us a little idea and a, a bit of the mission and the work that you do? Absolutely. Uh, our organization is charged with promoting uh, the cities of Providence, Warwick, and the Rhode Island Convention Center as a uh, location for meetings, conventions, and uh, also in the case of Providence as a destination for leisure visitors. So um, we're all about bringing people to this area, encouraging them to spend the night in one of our area hotels, eat out in our restaurants, of course, experience the fabulous water fire and other uh, arts and cultural events happening in the city. We're really about um, generating uh, economic impact for the community and really about creating jobs for Rhode Islanders. And I know that you've done a lot um, of that with the conventions. And it's funny, I wanted to ask you, over the last, you know, I know when the recession hit, a lot of people were pulling back on doing conventions and really, you know, taking those extra long trips to, to put conventions together. How have you seen those trends over the past few years? Because from my end, working with you, it seems like it's starting to work, that we're on a, we're moving up. A we are curve. on an upward trajectory, for sure. We are seeing... Uh, Registration numbers for most of the groups that are meeting here in Providence uh, surpass expectations. Um, of course, this area is a prime area to host a meeting in because we're so easy to get to and uh, we're so centrally located near a huge percentage of the U.S. population. But even uh, the, the group that you re- referred to er- earlier, the Land Trust Alliance, has 1,800 delegates here right now. That's a that's a pretty significant group for us. So, uh, we're and they're here for quite a few days, aren't they? They are. Yeah, they're here now. They um, uh, they really started to kick off yesterday, and they go all the way through Saturday. And of course, uh, on Friday night, they'll be able to enjoy a water fire here in the city of Providence. So they are um, staying in our hotels. They're taking trips around the state to see other projects that are related to their uh, particular field, and. Um, uh, we're just thrilled to have them in our city. And I know you do a, a lot of conventions, and I, I, I'm curious to hear, because I know that the, the, the meeting planners and convention planners will go visit many cities. What is it that, they're, that they report back to you as why they chose Rhode Island? I know you just said proximity, but are there do people love our food, Martha? Or is oh, well, that goes without saying. The food is, of course, a huge selling point for us. We have such great restaurants. But you know, honestly, what I don't think uh, the general public understands is that the process for us to secure a meeting such as this, or, or quite frankly, um, a good percentage of the meetings that we host here, particularly the larger ones, uh, can take anywhere between one and three years. It's a very long process. It's a very deliberative process where we uh, work with our um, potential meeting planner clients to put together a package, uh, including availability and pricing and um, amenities that they might require for their particular group. We bring them in. We show them the destination. We talk. Yeah, they about really come out and audition the city. They want to see, kick the tires. And that's uh, exactly right. And they do that all uh, in all any city they're considering. And, and and obviously the competition is very, 
very tough. There are convention centers located in hundreds of cities across the country, and uh, you know, our we like to think that ours is one of the best convention centers in the country. But of course, there are many, many fine facilities. So we compete uh, on a regular basis with cities large and small, Boston, Pittsburgh, Charlotte. But what I think ultimately uh, convinces folks that. Uh, Providence is a good locale for them, is the fact that our convention center is really in the heart of the city. It's not on the outskirts. It's right downtown. It's surrounded by ample hotel rooms. It's surrounded by wonderful uh, historic architecture and uh, great restaurants and attractions. And we have a really committed hospitality community that's uh, that's really dedicated to ensuring a great stay for meetings and leisure travelers and i think that really shines through when we um when we talk to our potential customers about meeting here and then the last thing i think that really seals the deal for us or sometimes even just opens the door and um, you guys know how much we work closely with our local ambassadors and those are the people uh, from the state of rhode island that are members of these national associations that in fact raise their hands and say you know what I want my colleagues from across the country to hold their meeting in Rhode Island, and I'm going to do some work with the Convention and Visitors Bureau to see that it happens. That's what really, for us, in many cases, um, you know, makes the uh, makes the deal sweeter and um, ultimately gets us the, the meeting. Yeah, and uh, you know, we've had the the pleasure for the past 20 years of working with you on a number of these conventions. Uh, just this year, there have been quite a few, but I remember earlier in the spring, the Unitarian Universalist Convention, which I think was close to 5,000 people. It wasn't? was. That was, a, that was one of our biggest in in, uh, the, in recent memory, quite honestly, yes. And it was uh, quite astonishing to have them come from all across North America, discover Providence, many of them had heard of it, and suddenly really discover what an exciting city it is and what was going on. And then they very much wanted to have Water Fire as part of their conference. They were sponsors. And it fits so well into the general theme of their con- convention that they felt being able to include Water Fire increased their attendance. It got people more interested and said, yeah, you know, we were thinking of coming to Providence. And that marriage has happened quite often with these conventions, and we're very pleased to work with you on that. Yeah, it, it is uh, being able to offer for certain groups the uh, opportunity to experience water fire for us is, I think, sometimes uh, another amenity that turns the tide in our favor. And, you know, we have to be very cautious, as you all know, that we, um, in fact, are promoting dates where a water fire can happen. <laughs> and, yes. uh, that's, you know, that's obviously key. But, boy, I'll tell you, those groups that we do, remember NetRoots Nation uh, oh, last year, Ronnie, yeah. they... Yep. You know, if you follow their Twitter feed, they were mesmerized by the event. They, everyone always is. I mean, the, we we sometimes, and I and I don't mean this to sound, I, I love this event, but I think we tend to in Rhode Island sometimes take it for granted because we know we can go, you know, any time. But when people have seen it for the first time, they really are mesmerized, and it's not anything like they expected. Uh, it's it's all that and more. So we are uh, we use water fire whenever we can to help us uh, sell this best. Well, and again, I think it's great because, Martha, as we were talking about economic impact, I think about the 5,000 people that were here when we did the water fire for the Universalist Unitarians. And again, that's 5,000 people in town spending money, creating jobs. 
And Four to six days, some of them. Yeah. Exactly. So the work that you're doing is it's really um, it's so important to our economy and our city and our state. And even more than that, um, just because I know that we're a member of the Providence Warwick Convention and Visitors Bureau, you also do so much more. Um, I've worked with Kristen Adamo on your team. I know that you help to promote Restaurant Week uh, in our hospitality industry and that you've got a website that really, if for people who aren't familiar with Providence and all that we have to offer, that they can go there and you're such a resource. Um, can you tell us some of the other things that, you know, that you're doing besides booking the conventions? And Well, obviously a big part of our job, even, even to lure meetings to the city, is to build the brand awareness of our destination. And that's talking to the general public, to travel media, to uh, through social media, about um, all that, that Providence has to offer. And we still actually uh, use the uh, Creative Capital brand in our efforts because we do feel like that fits really well into um, our messaging. And we talk about um, restaurants. We created Restaurant Weeks, and, and we were the first in Rhode Island, really one of the first cities in the country to do it. Uh, I don't even know how many years ago now, but it was quite a while ago, and we now have expanded to uh, two two times a year, two weeks per session. Um, but we we have created events like that so that we build general awareness about what Providence has to offer and bring bring folks in at any time of year, whether they're here for a meeting or a convention or just a weekend stay. Uh, we recently just created a uh, a walking tour guide. I know Barnaby attended. Uh, a few of these meetings with um, our partners from the historic east side uh, that highlights all there is to do along Benefit Street. You know, we so often get questions from people. I'm here, you know, for a few days. What can I do? I know you have a lot of history. Well, we felt like we needed something that packaged it nicely, and this really did the trick. They're flying out the door. Mm -hmm. So really it's our role to look at everything that uh, the city has to offer and figure out how to get it uh, into the visitors' hands and, um, before uh, potential visitors to, to make them uh, uh, turn the tide and, and make that decision that they, in fact, do want to spend some time in. And you are, uh, you're the ultimate tour guide at the end of the day. And I know oh, you, that and more, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we are creating an experience, really. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And, uh, you know, my colleagues from around the country, we all, uh, you know, we work very collaboratively to, um, to build a model for a destination marketing organization that is very visitor-centric. What we want to do is ensure that no matter what city you're going to, you want to ensure that the visitor to your city has the best possible experience. I think we're fortunate here because of the scale of this city. And I don't want to just say it's a small city because it's not compared to a lot of other destinations that we compete against. But it's a city where you have that one degree of, of separation where I can pick up the phone, I can call Barnaby at a moment's notice, I can call the mayor's office at a moment's notice. We can get people to uh, connect with visitors, potential visitors, um, very easily, very seamlessly. And I think that makes a big difference in, in how people experience our city. So uh, we have a great tight-knit hospitality community, as I said. They work together not just to draw meetings, but to also help um, boost the brand of the city. And I think we've been quite successful, quite honestly. You have been very successful. And you know, I want to talk about that add-on effect of economic impact. Um, there's a huge economic impact of... In, in this case, this right now, these 1,800 visitors or the 5,000 visitors to Unitarian Universalists. But then it's this branding. All of them go home and they go back to their communities and say, wow, we just spent five days in Providence, Rhode Island, and you've got to go visit this place. And they're excited about it. They talk about water fire. They talk about the restaurants. They talk about the historic renovation. And then the next line is people start to think of, you know, I was... 
I was thinking of relocating my business, or and all of these things grow and build the brand. And that was some of our original intention with Waterfire was 20 years ago when I, um, you know, watched the river getting uncovered, which I thought was a wonderfully heroic and brave thing to do. And I would hear the community talk in such a negative way about itself that I felt we should do something to rebrand ourselves and give us a sense of hope for the future. And it's been great to watch the brand of Providence completely change over those 20 years. And now it's a destination, you know, that's your work, that's the convention center's work, it's the whole arts community's work, the preservation community. It's been a big success story. Yeah, and you've been so incredible to work with, Martha. Um, Oh, thank you. So I want to thank you so much for joining us, um, and I know we'll be working very closely again uh, many times in the future. Um, well, we'll see you Friday night. We'll see you Friday night at Waterfire, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. And again, is it GoProvidence.com? Pro, go Go-Providence. I advise people to go to that website and see everything that they are doing. So and thank, thank you guys, too. Thanks, Martha. Have a great day. Bye-bye now. Thank you, Martha. All right. We'll be right back in a few moments. You're listening to AM790, your station for talk and business. Hello, 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 and welcome back. You are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island on AM790, your station for talk and business. I'm Bronwyn Dannenfeltzer, and I am here with my co-host, the creator and artistic director of Waterfire himself, Barnaby Evans. Barnaby, uh, how are you doing over there? I am doing great. That was an interesting conversation. It was a great uh, conversation. You know, going from the commissioner to the director of Providence Works EVB. Yeah. Um, I think two women doing great work in the state of Rhode Island. Absolutely. And, you know, so as we were just um, talking to Martha, again, the CEO and president of the Providence and Warwick Convention and Visitors Bureau, um, the importance of the conventions that are in town. And just there's usually a lot of varied conventions. Um, many of them ask for water fire. And we've got this big convention, which we ma- mentioned, the uh, Land Trust Alliance, that's here for a few days, 1,800 people. And we are lucky enough um, to have on the line with us and talking with us today, Rand Wentworth, uh, who is the Executive Director of the Land Trust Alliance and the National Land Trust Alliance. So, Rand, are you there? I'm here. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Uh, Doing great and a beautiful day in Rhode Island. I think you're going to have some beautiful weather just in general for the time being that you're here. Absolutely. Well, you know, we chose... Providence. We chose Rhode Island because it's a place where you can have history and neighborhoods and great access to nature. So I was just on the shore this afternoon. Which shore? Were you down in Newport? or? Uh, you know, I don't know the state well enough to tell you <laughs> exactly, but close to Providence. Oh, no. Well, we've got no. a lot of shoreline. We're Rhode Island. So. Yeah, we're the ocean state. <laughs> I, yeah. you, you know, what you're doing is so important. I just want to start off with that. The land trust movement, which has been what, 25 years at least, but it's been continuing to grow. And uh, we'd love you to, to talk a little bit about that. Uh, it's uh, something I've watched and I think many people appreciate, and not enough people understand both the process or its importance. Well, Barnaby, thanks for your support. It's, uh, it's an extraordinary movement in America that there's uh, great work being done to protect parks and trails and greenways and farms uh, uh, by all kinds of 
uh, government entities. But the land trust movement is is special because it's it's citizen led, and it's local. Uh, right here in Rhode Island, we have 47 land trusts. Most people are familiar with the Nature Conservancy, one of our largest members, terrific national organization. But most towns in Rhode Island have their own land trust, and they're led by your neighbors, and their purpose is to protect the places people love close to home. Uh, we now have some 1,200 members, uh, land trust members, uh, with the land within the land trust alliance and the uh, top leaders in the country will be here in providence uh, all this week and, and what are some of the the big questions um, that you're tackling at this conference rand well we'll have over 120 workshops so mm-hmm. we have the best and the brightest on our faculty and your any of your listeners who are interested in this subject the we do have uh, an, an open registration so it's possible for people to come to the convention center and take these classes Oh, wow. Is there a place to, for people to go online to find out what classes are, are being given? so that they can Right. You can go on to lta.org, and you'll find out a complete listing of all the classes and workshops. And it goes everything from how to start an organic local farm on protected land to very technical issues around uh, conservation law and, and tax and finance. And I think one of the interesting things about the land trust, which you started right off, is this is largely citizen-led. And these are workshops to get people who are vitally interested in preserving the natural landscape or the agricultural landscape or view sheds or any one of these things that we really hold in trust for the future, how to get them started and involved. And it's uh, thank you for your work in that. Well, thank you. And you know, right here in Rhode Island, these land trusts have protected over 36,000 acres. That's a lot of land in a small state, uh, places for people to play. One of the things that uh, motivates me is I've got two boys, and uh, I've just watched this whole trend that kids growing up today spend half as much time outdoors as their parents did. And if we continue on this trend, uh, CDC says that we're going to be at a place where one out of three Americans will have type 2 diabetes, adult Americans, by the year 2050. So having places for kids to play close to home, parents getting their kids outdoors, is part of our mission. And part of our mission is is serving our communities uh, by bringing green space that uh, that kids can get to. Our national mission, actually, is that we'd like every kid growing up in America to be within 10 minutes of a park or a trail or a greenway. Yeah, it's it's such an important goal. You know, we talk about unstructured play. We talk about just learning from nature, learning from the complex ecological web of what supports life on the planet, um, the history of the agricultural and farming movement and preserving that so people can understand the food chain and how that works. It, it touches people's lives in so many deep ways. You know, one one of the things that I know you have been looking at is the intersection of uh, things like fracking, where um, a you know a portion of land has been set aside as a as a preserve, and suddenly the mineral rights underneath can have some impact. Is that uh, an issue that you'll be discussing at the conference? It certainly will be, and many of the land trusts are in uh, fracking rich states, Pennsylvania, Ohio in particular, but uh, the Dakotas, of course, and out west. Um, uh, mineral rights have been severed from the ownership rights of the land for, for many, many years. They're familiar with that issue. So it's a very complex set of issues, and our land trusts are going to have to navigate that. 
we're also going to be talking about uh, our most important federal policy initiative. And if a landowner has land they want to keep in their family, either in farming or just a you know a beautiful island or place they, that they enjoy, they have the option of putting a conservation easement on that property that will ensure that it'll be protected forever. And one of the things that drives that is a federal tax incentive. We've got uh, a bill pending in Congress that's been passed by the House that now goes to the Senate to make permanent some very effective tax incentives to make it attractive for a landowner to say, okay, I love my land, I want it always to be just like it is. So I'm pleased that both Senator Reid and Senator Whitehouse uh, will be at rally, and uh, Governor Chafee will be speaking at our, our kickoff dinner tomorrow night. Well, that's great to hear. And um, both of those senators have been uh, great uh, leads, leaders in this, as has the governor. Um, Rhode Island has always felt this is a um, something akin to them and close to our soul and future. And, in fact, the motivation for Waterfire was to bring some of this magic that we sometimes might happen out in you know, out in the country around a fire, to bring some of that magic into the city, because if we're ever going to preserve our landscapes, we've got to make the cities vital, dense, successful, ecologically coherent spaces. And that's the other half of this preserving the land movement, is to make the cities vital and vibrant and successful. And that's uh, what Waterfire is about. Absolutely, That's, uh, you know, I, when I do speeches around the country, I say that the best way to conserve land is to make our cities livable. Absolutely. And and Waterfire has done that in a brilliant way. And uh, I don't know if you know, but we're financial sponsors of Waterfire this Friday night. And I've been selling to our conservation leaders around the country, come to Providence, and Friday night, come see Waterfire. You won't believe it. It will take your breath away. Um, we do know you're a sponsor. Uh, we pay very close attention to that, and I, wa- <laughs> I, wa- I want to thank you. And, uh, yeah, in fact, we'll, uh, after the show, I'll, I'll check in with you on how we can best support your mission, because I do think it's um, somehow people think that these things all aren't connected, but they absolutely are, and we have uh, a large built environment that's got such potential for recreation and redevelopment and repurposing and better energy efficiency, and having those dense cities make fun cities, and seeing water, fire, and Providence would be a great example for your national audience, but more particularly, that helps you with your larger goal of preserving the natural landscape, which is equally important. I've only been to Providence once before in my life, and it's 10 years ago. Also, we brought our conference we call Rally to Providence, and I I had no idea what water fire was. I just walked out of my hotel that night, and it took my breath away. And I think that sense of awe or that sense of wonder or magic is what happens when kids are in nature, you know, out in the woods or going camping. Um, and I think that to give them that taste of, of the real presence of fire and of, of, of smells and music uh, is an antidote to this life that kids are leading, leading these days, including, you know, including my boys, you know, just being online so much. And I, I just think it's a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful invention. Congratulations. Well, well, thank you for that. And it's also something that happens in real time. It's not through a little teeny screen. It's not, uh, you know, we're, we're living a virtual world. This is about, I sometimes say it's excuse for us all to come together to enjoy the beauty of the natural sunset mm. and to engage with each other in a constructive, social, and urbane way. So welcome to Providence. 
Mm-hmm. And Thank the, you. Yeah, we, we, we seem to have um, very similar missions in what we're doing. Uh, and as Barnaby said, there's a lot of synergy here. So um, as you just said, on Friday night, we're doing a Basin Fire uh, sponsored by the Land Trust Alliance. And we're so fo- we look really forward to having you down there, Rand. And thank you for taking the time out. I know that you've got a very busy day. Again, um, it's nice to know that, that our listening audience can actually drop in and uh, come see some of those classes uh, or, right. or participate. Please, so please encourage people to come and encourage your listeners to uh, get active with their local land trust to support conservation here in Rhode Island. We absolutely will. So it's been such a pleasure pleasure talking to you, Rand, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on Friday. Thank you. All right, thank you so much. Thank you, Rand. So I think, Barnaby, you know, it's funny. We do it in the city, and you are so right. You know, the conservation of our, our land and getting people out is uh, is so important. So what a great conference to uh, to actually be able to do a water fire for. Uh, and it was wonderful speaking with Rand. Um, I want to close out the show, again, letting everybody know that we have Friday, the Basin Lighting. But on Tuesday, um, and I say this all the, the 23rd, time. The 23rd, September 23rd. Tuesday, September 23rd, we have our annual fundraiser or our benefit bash. It's happening at Water Place. Restaurant tickets are available, $150. You can go to waterfire.org forward slash elemental. Um, we've got incredible auction items, lots of fun surprises, and again, we can only do water fire with your support. So thank you for listening. Um, we look forward to seeing you Friday, Tuesday, next Saturday, uh, anytime. And down, for the rest of the season. Down by the river. Thank you.